Hey guys, this is Dale Tedder, and welcome to the Walking Points podcast for this week. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to say that Jesus gave his life on our behalf. Or another way of looking at it is his life for ours. And really, that really is the model for the universe, I think. His life for ours, and therefore our life for others. It really is a key principle in how we are all wired. After all, if we are created in the image of God, then we are ultimately to look like Him, and behave like Him, and think like Him. And so, uh, unconditional, sacrificial love is the rule. And therefore, we are aligned with God's will when we are living according to his will, when we are uh, giving our lives on behalf of others because he ultimately gave his life for us. So that last part in particular is what we're going to be talking about today, his life for ours, and I will be taking a look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. So thanks for checking out the podcast. Here we go. Well, back in the spring, especially around the Lenten season, I taught a couple Bible studies where we were focusing on the cross of Jesus. Um, It's interesting how often we don't study the things that are most important to our faith, and I know that I realized we needed to get back to basics, and so I thought, well, during the Lenten season, what would be better than talking about the cross of Jesus? And as I said, there are a few topics that are more important then talking about Jesus and his work on the cross and the love that God has for us that is expressed so deeply for us on Calvary. And so on that note, the book of Hebrews really is in a class by itself in helping us see the love that God has for us. And that love is expressed, of course, in and through the work of Jesus Christ and especially his work on the cross. The author of Hebrews had a very definite purpose in mind when he wrote his letter. He wanted to show, this is what he wanted to do, he wanted to show the superiority of Jesus and the new covenant over the old covenant. And his reason was that many of the Christian believers to whom he was writing, they had come out of Judaism, and because of that, they were now facing a lot of persecution. And some were being tempted, as you can imagine, some were being tempted to turn back to what they had left behind. You know, they were just thinking, perhaps they were thinking to themselves, this is a headache, is this really worth it? Let's just go back, we weren't being harassed like we are now. I mean, you wouldn't want to do that, but you can certainly appreciate why they would be thinking that way. They had found this new life in Jesus Christ, but, as I said, some were beginning to question whether Jesus was worth it. I mean, we love Jesus, he's a great guy, but is he worth all the trouble that we seem to be going through? And again, maybe you have felt that way yourself. Maybe you've wondered if following Jesus is worth it. Maybe you've thought, you know, this cost of discipleship, this idea of denying yourself, of picking up your cross daily and following Jesus, you know, it's a good It's a good idea in theory, but it really is asking too much. Maybe, just maybe, like the Israelites who were following Moses in the wilderness, 
you've thought about that food that you had when you were a slave back in Egypt. You know, you're saying to yourself, hey, those onions and leeks and all the rest, hey, they weren't that bad after all. And I'll be honest with you, that thought has crossed my mind from time to time. Not the onions and the leeks part, that's disgusting, but, you know, it's tough following Jesus and sometimes... You know, I don't entertain the thought for very long, but every now and then a fleeting thought of, oh, good grief, is this worth it, crosses my mind, and thankfully it leaves faster than it arrived. But just to be honest with you, I think that from time to time. But one of the things that encourages me is when I read Scripture like what I find in Hebrews, and I see God's amazing love, his great love for me and for all of us, And you know what? That reminds me that following our Lord, whatever the hardship, is more than worth it. And I am so grateful when God reminds me of that. And he basically says, you know what? Get over yourself. I love you so much. This little bit of difficulty, this trial you're going through, is nothing in comparison of how much I love you and all that I have in store for you. Well, here's how our scripture today puts it, and this is from Hebrews 9, 11 through 14, as I mentioned, and this is a great scripture. It is so rich, it's so deep, and I'll probably just skate along the surface a little bit, but we'll try to get a better understanding of what it says. So here's what God's word says. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are, listen to this, outwardly clean. How much more then? How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Now, as I mentioned, the folks that Hebrews is addressed to, they really needed to be encouraged. And so the author does this by what is very often called lesser to greater than arguments. Lesser to greater arguments. And, you know, Jesus taught in the same way. In Matthew 7, Jesus taught, he says this, this is Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and here it is, listen to it, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? (laughs) So Jesus is saying, hey, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is good, who is pure goodness, how much more will he give you good gifts when you ask him? Or Matthew 12, Jesus puts it this way. He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, 
Will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so the author of Hebrews shows the superiority of Jesus in several ways throughout his letter. First of all, first of all, we learn in our scripture that Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. In the Old Covenant, there was a great barrier, a great obstacle between God and his people. In the tabernacle and then later in the temple, there was a great veil that separated God's people from what was called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go behind the veil and bring sacrifices to God. And so the death of Jesus spiritually, and then of course literally, it tore that veil in two so that there was no longer, there was no longer anything that prevented us from approaching God directly. Isn't that great? Isn't that good news that you can go straight to God in prayer? You don't have to go through a mediator because Jesus himself is our mediator. And also, when the high priest in the Old Covenant entered the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices to God, he had to to offer a sacrifice first for his own sin. Because even though he was the high priest and he was a holy man, and, and that was truly a big deal, he was still a sinful man. Yes, he was holy, but yes, he was still a man, so therefore he was sinful. But Jesus was greater because Jesus was without sin. I always tell po- uh, folks in my, my Bible studies and classes that I teach, you know, whatever you negotiate on in the Christian faith, don't ever compromise that Jesus was sinless. Jesus was without sin. Because if you start saying, well, hey, he was human and to err is human, so it's okay that he sinned. No, it's not. Jesus was sinless. And if you have any questions about that, we can talk later. Anyway, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, listen to this, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So that's the first thing. Next, in the Old Covenant, the high priest brought in an animal to sacrifice. But in the New Covenant, the high priest was the sacrifice. Now let me say that again because that really is important. In the Old Covenant, the high priest that we just talked about, he would bring in an animal to sacrifice to God. But in the New Covenant, the high priest who represented the people to God, in this case, the high priest was the sacrifice. Our Lord Jesus Christ offered himself on our behalf, his life for ours. Do you remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus approaching him? He declares these words in John chapter 1, verse 29. He says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, John understood the mission of Jesus as this, the Lamb without blemish the lamb without blemish that the Israelites were to sacrifice at the Passover in Exodus 12. And John got that, that Jesus was fulfilling that prophecy. 
that prophecy in Isaiah 53 that said things like this. Uh, This is Isaiah 53. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He laid down his life for those he loves, his life for ours. Friends, that is the principle of the universe. And not only that, not only that, in the Old Covenant, the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement had to, repeat, had to be repeated annually because the blood of animals was purely symbolic. It revealed that the wages of sin is death. That's from Romans 6.23. It taught God's people that sin, hey, I know our culture kind of laughs at it and smirks at it and makes fun of it, but for God, sin really is a big deal. It separates us from a right relationship with God, so it has to be atoned for. And yet... And yet, the death of animals offered by a sinful high priest could do no more than point to something greater. It could do no more than point to something beyond itself, something that was to come. God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and he offered himself as a once and for all sacrifice. Now that phrase, once for all appears over and over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews. And it speaks of the permanence. It speaks of the perfection of the work of Jesus on the cross. And so in other words, there is no need to repeat the sacrifices any longer. All that needs to be done has now been done. Let me say that again. All that now needs to be done has now already been done. And therefore, we are called to trust in that sacrifice alone. The death of animals only provided a temporary, symbolic, and ceremonial cleansing from sin. But, but the author of Hebrews makes it very clear that the death of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, both outward as well as inward. It cleans our hearts. Verse 14 says this, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Friends, because of what Jesus did on our behalf, we no longer have to be weighed down by the burden of our past. We no longer have to be weighed down by the guilt and the shame of who we once were or what we did before we came to know Christ. We now have a freedom that has been won by our Lord Jesus on the cross. Now why? Why did he do all of this? Why in the world would Jesus put himself through all of this? Why would God offer the son that he loved eternally and immeasurably? Why would he put him through this? 
And here's the answer. God did all of this because he loves us. If you hear nothing else, please hear that. God did all of that because he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. The Apostle Paul emphasized this in Romans 8, verse 9. It says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because we are now new creatures who are free in Jesus Christ, the author of Hebrews says that we can now go and serve the living God. Now the word serve in this verse really points to the worship of God more than anything else. You see, because the veil of the Holy of Holies had been torn in two, we can now approach God in worship, unhindered by the oppression, by the shame, by the guilt of our own sin. All of that has been atoned for. We have been washed. We have been redeemed. We have been reclaimed. His life for ours. In one of my favorite books, and if you know me, you know there's a good chance if it's one of my favorite books, it's probably by C.S. Lewis, and if you thought that in this case, you would be right. In the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, one of the stories for children, Edmund, betrays his brother and sisters by telling the evil white witch where they are hiding. And in the land of Narnia, where the story takes place, the penalty for being a traitor is death. The penalty for being a traitor is death. Now, Edmund is only a young man, a boy, really, and he's terrified. And even though he betrayed his family, they have forgiven him, and, and they beg Aslan, Aslan the great lion of Narnia, they beg him to do something. And Aslan, who is, who is the Christ figure in the story, he tells them that the law is the law, and that betrayal is indeed worthy of death. And yet... And yet Aslan and the White Witch meet privately, and they have a very, very long discussion. And when the discussion is over, and when they return, Aslan declares that Edmund will not be put to death, and he is now free. Well, later that evening, Aslan leaves the camp where all the Narnians are staying, and he walks to the great stone table, which represents a sacrificial altar. And there, on that great stone table, the white witch and all her wicked followers, they bind Aslan and they shave his great mane, all the while mocking him, all the while beating him. And he takes all of this without defending himself, without trying to fight them off, without trying to talk them out of it. And there, on the stone table, Aslan the great lion, the king of Narnia, is killed. He dies in the place of Edmund and takes the punishment Edmund deserved. His life for Edmunds. 
Isaiah 53 puts it this way, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. His life for ours. There is no greater love than this. God has done a great work on our behalf because he loves you and he loves me. Our response is to love him, to trust him, to give our lives to him, to follow him. And when we consider all he has done for us, how could we possibly do otherwise? Thanks be to God for the work of Christ on the cross. And thanks be to God that the cross and the death of Jesus did not have the last word. And just as there was more to Aslan's story in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is more to the story of Jesus after his death on the cross. Thanks be to God for the good news of the risen Lord. Amen and amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. I hope that it was a blessing to you. If you are interested in other resources, I hope you'll check out my website at daletedder.com. I have more podcasts and videos and Bible studies and devotionals and things like that that hopefully will encourage you and build you up in your faith. Uh, If this podcast uh, encouraged you, I hope you will pass it on and share it with others and get it around there so that others can be blessed as well. Anyway, thanks for checking out the podcast today. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I look forward to being with you next week.